Hello everybody, welcome back to the Why We Parent podcast. This is episode 5 of season 2 and today I am chatting with Iris Chen. Iris is the author of the book Untigering, Peaceful Parenting for the Deconstructing Tiger Parent, uh, which is a fantastic book that I encourage all of you to check out. Um, and in this episode, we talked about unschooling and what that looks like in Iris's family, um, how we can bring the spirit of unschooling into our adult lives, um, and just how it can look so different for different people. Uh, we had a really nice conversation. Again, I am a big fan of Iris, so you should definitely check her out at Untigering on Instagram uh, or at untigering.com. Um, and so, yeah, without further ado, let's get on with the interview. So welcome, Iris. I am super honored that you're joining me today. I'm a huge fan of your book. <laughs> so I, I was super glad that you uh, agreed to come on the podcast. Um, so can you tell people who you are and uh, a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me, Paula. So my name is Iris Chen, and I wrote the book Untigering, Peaceful Parenting for the Deconstructing Tiger Parent. So that was really like a book for myself maybe five years ago, because I think I really started out as that typical tiger parent who mm -hmm. used control and punishment and rewards and just behavior modification to try to get my kids to do what I wanted them to do. And um yeah, and I began this process of moving away from that type of controlling power over parenting with my kids because they were not responding to it very well. There was just a lot of conflict, a lot of uh, meltdowns and screaming and anger and like on both parts, you know, the children right. and the parents. And so, uh, yeah, that sort of came to a head and I realized I needed to do something differently and uh, discovered respectful, peaceful parenting. And that for me, just understanding that my child wasn't behaving in these ways just to push my buttons, just to yeah. be disobedient, but because there were needs there, like was overwhelmed, there was frustration. And when I began to see them through eyes of compassion and understanding the needs that were driving their behavior, I was able to really shift the way I responded to them and not with punishments or anger, but really with compassion. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. And, you know, I really enjoyed your book because not only do you, do you, you give pretty um, actionable steps to take uh, about peaceful and respectful parenting that I know you've picked up sort of along the way and, you know, similar to kind of how a lot of us have gone about this, which is just reading different books, taking kind of what works, what doesn't, right? Um, so I really love that. But I think what's really, what's really so special about it is that you're talking about your personal journey and that you really started off like completely on the other end of things. And so, you know, I think as parents, we tend to, we, we have this idea of perfection and we want to like get in your, and the reality is it's never too late to change um, the way you're parenting. So I, I really love that. And it's, it's, you know, it must've been really humbling, but I, it's, it's so amazing to see that you were able to do such a 180. One reason why I really wanted to write the book for other parents like me who were struggling, you know, because I think there are those parents who are naturally maybe more gentle, more respectful, who, <laughs> who will never dare to spank or yell at their child or whatever. But I was like, you know, totally didn't think twice about them until I was faced with more information. And so, yeah, really wanting to encourage parents. What I think is so important about that too, and, and something, again, you talk about a lot in the book is, um, is the way you were parented, right? And so, of course, to some people, it's going to come super easy if they were parented in a respectful, kind, loving manner. But for many of us, that's just not the case. That's a lot of us grew up in authoritarian households. And so it, you you have to reparent yourself while parenting your children. And oh, my goodness, is that a challenge? Yes, that is so true. And I, 
I think that really was my process is like, as it was going on concurrently, you know, as I was just offering myself more compassion, offering myself more empathy, then I was able to do that for my kids. But it was really a process of reparenting myself through all of that. Yeah, yeah. And so with all of that, and and again, it's so beautiful to see that transformation just throughout the book and, and how over the many the years that you were describing. Um, and now you are unschooling your kids, correct? Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And it, it's, I, I mean, to me, it seems like such a natural progression. I think a lot of us who kind of find this way of parenting somehow end up in alternate schooling. Um, what would you say? Uh, so I guess first question is, did you guys try a traditional schooling route first? Like, how did that work out for you guys? Mm-hmm. So we were living in China at the time. And we had tried different schooling options that were available to us. You know, we did part-time homeschooling and part-time local kindergarten. Uh, the local kindergarten they went to was Montessori. Okay. And, but once they, you know, graduated from kindergarten, we were looking to send them actually to the local pu- public school, which is very intense, very authoritarian. Um, thankfully they never got in, uh, it was too, like there were too many kids and they were not able to take in foreigners. And so at that point we had to look for other options. And so we found like a, um, a private bilingual school for them. So they never went to public school per se in China. Um, but they were in like a schooling situation. And then after about two years of that, that's when we decided to unschool. Right. And were you still in China when you decided to unschool? Yes, yes, we were in China. So um, I think that that school that they were attending was sort of dissolving. And we were sort of running out of options because we didn't want to send them to the international school and we couldn't send them to the local school. So we knew that homeschooling it was, but needing to um, figure out how to do homeschooling in a way that would actually work for our family and not drive us all nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How old were your kids at this age? At this point? Yeah, they were um, going into fourth and second grade. Okay. So a little bit bigger. Yeah. So we were like, gonna treat it like an experiment. You know, they were young enough where they had some foundational stuff already. They knew how to do some math, they could read. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, well, we'll just experiment with this. They're still young enough so that if anything goes really wrong, we can send them back into that traditional system. Mm -hmm. Um, But just the more we practiced it, the more, oh, this is the way life is meant to be. This is the way childhood is meant to be. Really Mm -hmm. seeing them um, pursue their passions and having that freedom, just following our, the rhythm of life that felt best for them and for our family. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really grateful for it. And like you said, I think it is really consistent with peaceful parenting. I don't think I would have um leaned towards unschooling if I hadn't had that foundation already mm-hmm. of learning my child learning to listen to them seeing them as their own person I think that all really laid a foundation for me to make that decision to unschool like what is the difference for you between homeschooling and unschooling school at home where the parent is still the one in charge the parent is still the one who decides for the child what is important for the child to learn and um yeah, it tries to replicate school at home in terms of having a schedule and homework and workbooks and tests and all those things. And I think for me, unschooling is really taking school out of the picture, really deconstructing school and learning how to live life with our kids without that construct of school. So not needing to sit at a desk to learn, not needing a textbook to learn, not needing even a teacher to learn. That learning is happening all the time, Mm -hmm. happening in very intuitive, organic ways. And for me as a parent, being there to support them um, and resourcing them with uh, information and resource and knowledge, instead of 
of, yeah, just this top-down approach where I am the authority. I am the one who decides for you what you need to learn. Yeah. Uh, it sounds so beautiful to me. And, and, but I also know that some people listening, if they're not new, if they're new to unschooling, it sounds so radical. Right. And I know for so many people, it brings up, and I, even you mentioned like those fears of like, but what if they fall behind, but what if they don't learn to read and write and all of these things, which, you know, is what a lot of our mainstream parenting is based on it's fear. Right. Um, did you guys have that as well? Yes, definitely. I think, you know, in mainstream schooling environments so that's all we've known Mm -hmm. that's all like doing anything outside of that feels very risky because we don't know what will happen we don't know what it looks like but I think um, just going back to a child before they go to school and all the learning that happens before they go to school and observing them realizing that as human beings, it is our nature to learn. It is our nature to explore and try to figure out how to make this world um, around it, how to function in it, how to use it to serve us. And so uh, just realizing, you know, just even as little babies before learning um, and as adults, after we graduate, are we done learning? No, we are always still learning. Right. How do adults learn, right? If if there's something that I want to learn how to do, I will look it up on YouTube or I will ask somebody, right. I will go to the library. There, there's Google, right? There's like so many resources for us to learn. And so how to see learning as this really organic, natural process if we let it happen mm-hmm. instead of feeling like we need to is learn in order for them to learn. I love that. So how old are your kids now? They are 13 and 11. And actually just yesterday, they started at um, a self-directed learning center. So they've been unschooling at home with me for the past four years. And now they're sort of at an age where they want, you know, more social interaction. And so I was looking for that for them because Um, yeah, like unschooling is really about following our kids lead, right? It's it's not just about removing all the things that I think are bad for them, but also providing them with um, things that they would possibly miss out on if they didn't go to school, like those social interactions or, um, you know, team sports, if they want that, you know, so because they communicated to me that they wanted more, you know, group learning, more social interaction. So this was, um, yeah, so I to find resources for them and provide them with that experience. That is so cool. And is it like a full-time situation? Well, I think the beautiful thing about self-directed learning centers is that it, um, you know, you can personalize it according to your family's needs. So we don't okay. have to go full-time. They do offer like a full-time situation, but we don't have to go full-time. Okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, so I think, I don't think that we will go full-time because that's a really uh, just intense schedule that we're not used to. So we'll probably just go a couple of times a week um, depending on what the kids are interested in. That's amazing. That sounds so good. Where Whereabouts are you guys? We are in the LA area. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, that is really cool. I'm not sure if there are any of those here. Actually, I think there might be. Um, Now, one big thing that always comes up when it comes to unschooling is, you know, people, I think, wonder, okay, that's great. That sounds lovely. But how? How do we do this? Right. Um, I can tell you for myself. So I have a two year old at home. So obviously he's much younger. He's not in schooling yet. Um, We just started him in daycare for the first time. And you know, there's that part of me that I love unschooling and I love the idea of it. And then there's a part of me that also wants time to myself (laughs) and to get my work done. Right. And so we were super fortunate and lucky, and we were able to find a part-time option for him. So he goes in the morning. So it's really nice. He gets that time, but it's also, you know, it's, he's a toddler, so it's play-based. It's, you know, it's not like he's being forced to sit at a desk. Right. So I love that for him. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, that comes up a lot. Like, what if you have to go to work and you need school as childcare? Um, And so how did you guys navigate that? Like, especially in those 
first few years of unschooling? I mean, I'm, I was really privileged and fortunate to have a partner who had a very flexible work schedule and also my kids were older. So I think it, that's just sort of the nature of having young, young children. They just need a lot of attention and yeah. um, time and energy. different from a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But I think it's important for us to think unschooling as collective process and not just an individual decision um, for families, because it is important for us to be able to offer, you know, different types of families options so that they can have a different, you know, the children can have different opportunities to self-direct their learning. So that might mean having family members or co-ops or asking somebody who is stay at home to help watch the kids for a few hours or sending them to, um, you know, a church that is very child-centered and self-directed. You know, there, I think there are different options, right. but I'm, I don't feel like unschooling means you have to be the one um, always with your child 24-7. Uh, there are other ways to navigate that and to find community resources for that, you know, where you can have um, like a coach or a, like a person teaching them a particular skill for... Right or send them to the community center or co-op or different options like that. Um, I've also found that because unschooling is really self-directed, I actually have a lot of time, like especially because my kids are older, but I do have a lot of time and freedom to pursue the things that I love to do because I'm not micromanaging my children. I'm not there standing over them like, four or five hours of the day and right. then I need to read their papers and lesson plan for the next day. Like I'm not doing any of that. I'm really following their lead. I'm available for them. I'm paying attention to what they're into, but like, I also don't um, micromanage and don't try to interrupt them as they are engaging in the things that they love. So I'm sort of like off to the side available but also free to pursue my own things. And I think that is something that happens more, you know, as the kids get older. For sure. For sure. I've definitely actually thought about that myself. I'm thought, you know, I might do unschooling, but it would be when he's older and he can be more independent because it is, it's, it's, you know, there's that, there's that back and forth of it, but, um, but yeah, I love that so much. I mean, and it does sound so freeing. I think once you allow yourself to kind of, melt into it and, and, and it becomes a part of your normal life. Um, did you find at first, you know, if your children were going to, because they were going to kind of regular schooling, was there an adjustment period? Do you find? Adjustment period was more for, uh, my partner and I as the adults, because a lot of the de-schooling process has to do with the adults' fears and anxieties mm-hmm. about their child falling behind or not doing enough. Um, so when we first started, I was still like, okay, we need, still need to do math. We're going to still do this math workbook every, every day. Um, and we're still going to do piano because that's, I don't know, <laughs> why I decided those were the two things that we're still going to do. Um, but then I think just recognizing the tension that I felt there as I realized that didn't jive with what I really believed about um, autonomy and respect and following the child's lead. And so after a few weeks, we just decided, okay, you know, if you want to do math, of course, we're happy to help support you. But if you don't want to do math, we don't have to do math. And so we sort of let go of that. And, um, and just hoped that they would learn how to do math in more relevant, integrated ways that that made sense for their lives as, you know, eight-year-olds, where they don't have to necessarily do all this complex math and spend hours of drilling. So I think a lot of it has to do with the parents' own anxieties. Mm-hmm. For my kids, um, it I think it like they were really into uh, on their iPads and doing different things like that. And I think for parents, that's also a point of anxiety where it's yes. like, we are sort of fed this 
um, narrative that screens or computers or gaming, all those things are non, not educational and right. not good for kids. But what I have found is, you know, just again, that belief that learning can happen anywhere and through everything. And that if your child finds an interest in it, that they're gaining something out of it, that there, there is so much learning that can happen through gaming. And so not, not to label and judge our kids' interests, but to really be open and curious about the things that they are into and, and to have the eyes to see all the learning that is happening through the things that they're passionate about. Oh, yeah. Totally, totally. And yeah, I think there's, you know, there's, there's moderation, right? There's anything in life, you have to kind of, you have your boundaries and and things. And of course, if they're like screens can be to an extent, uh, harmful, and especially depends on the age. But I mean, I see kids playing Minecraft. And like, can we talk about Minecraft and how incredible that is for learning like physics and math and like, you know, and then it's, it's, it's so unfortunate because that same kid that's like amazing at Minecraft is failing math at school because it's irrelevant math, right? Like they're teaching you irrelevant things on a piece of paper that don't matter, but really they're actually doing the math in real life. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like my kids love Minecraft and I know kids who have learned how to read because of Minecraft. Like my kids learned how to code because of it. There's just so like when we give kids the freedom to really pursue their interests, it really sparks other inspiration and other amazing things. Like because of Minecraft, my kids have, um, you know, written stories based on what's happening in their Minecraft world. They've like done animations based on it. Um, They created this card game that they designed and printed up with oh my their cousins. God, that's so cool. <laughs> on their Minecraft server. So it's like, instead of, again, instead of just boxing it in and saying, oh, kids can only learn in certain ways that seem schoolish, you know, mm-hmm. um, we can, you know, blow, blow the walls off those boxes and really just be excited about all the learning that is happening through through life and through the things that they're interested in oh yeah so true and we're always learning we're always learning um and I just and I love that too the the movement of unschooling I love that it's getting bigger and it's becoming kind of you know it's always growing um but I also think it's it's sort of happening in our adult generation as well um, cause I see this, you know, and I, and I think this is so exciting too, like with our kind of millennial generation, um, less and less focus on what degrees you have and what university you went to and all of these kind of very typical measures of success we used to have. And now you really can forge your own way. And people are just, you know, people who become millionaires aren't always like, you know, they're just people who came up with really smart ideas or were very good at business or whatnot. So, I just love that um, we we can do that uh, as adults. And I just kind of wanted to point that out that unschooling itself, it's kind of, it's really a mindset. It's not just about the method in which we teach our kids, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, absolutely. I feel like I have learned so much through unschooling. Like again, that reparenting of myself, I'm also unschooling myself because I there was so much about school where, you know, I was taught to perform for others. I was taught to figure out what other people wanted from me and then how to achieve that. So again, it was a lot of giving away my own power, giving away my autonomy, not knowing who I was, not being in tune with my own passions. So like, okay, if I had the whole day to myself, like my kids do, what would I do with my time? Like, I didn't know what to do with my time. I would just like whittle it away. <laughs> doing what I didn't really want to do, right? And so I think this whole process has also um, just encouraged and empowered me as an adult to figure out like, who am I? How, like, how am I built? How am I made? What unique gifts do I have to offer the world?
instead of having it always be focused on the outward gaze, on how I appear to people, how I'm perceived, how I need to meet the standards of other people, instead of focusing on that, really living more from my core and from who I am. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so, so freeing. And I, 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 I can totally relate to that. It's, it's something that I've been you know, working through as well, like as a, as an entrepreneur and just someone who's like doing, I, I, I run my own business. And so there's that, I, I came across all of these ideas of that I had my whole life of success and how things should be and goal setting and all of that. And then versus like, what do I want to do? What do I want my days to look like? What do I want my life? Like, what do I enjoy doing? You know, it is such a, it is, it's hard at first to figure that out. And I'm still in the process of it, but I almost feel like I'm unschooling myself in that way. <laughs> yes, yes. I actually recently was just talking with Yolanda Williams on the Parenting Decolonized mm-hmm. yes. podcast about entrepreneurship and how I feel like that's also a very unschoolish type of um, mindset where, where, you know, we have to build our own lives in ways that make the most sense for us. So mm-hmm. if we don't want to work a nine to five job, we don't have to. Yeah. Like if, if our goal isn't to like take, have, have this empire, we don't have to do it that way. How to build a business and a life and a livelihood that feels right and good for us mm-hmm. and who we are and what's true for us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it is, it is really freeing once you allow yourself to get there and to get through the anxiety that happens at first when you're like, but what if it doesn't work? And, and what will they think? And all of that, all of those fears and things that come up. Um, I know, yeah. So I know sometimes um, unschooling is, uh, I know you've talked about this. I actually listened to your episode with um, Akila Richards, who I love as well. Uh, her, her book is amazing. And, um, and just talking about unschooling also as like an act of, liberation and how how crucial it can be for specifically for children from marginalized communities and whatnot so can you speak a little bit to that and and what the importance is there I think when I first discovered unschooling I didn't really have that lens of liberation it was more just like oh I think this makes sense and it'll work with my family and I want to give them this opportunity to you know she experienced this autonomy, but I think the more I, you know, learned from people like Akila Richards and others, um, really recognizing that it is about liberation, because all of us, majority of us, went through school as young people, and so we are conditioned from our childhood not to not to be liberated. Mm-hmm. We are conditioned. <laughs> to um, where we adapt to not having bodily autonomy, not having freedom to uh, learn the things that we want to learn, not being free to speak what we want to speak or when Mm -hmm. we want to speak, not being able to uh, relate to people the way we would like to relate to them, whether that's like, okay, I want to be by myself right now, or I want to talk with you right now. Like we don't have the freedom to do that, to do that in, in uh, school environments. And so the school environment really teaches us um, not be liberated and to be okay with that so that we grow up like we have to do whatever the boss tells us. We don't have good boundaries. We, you know, get burnt out because we work ourselves to the bone, you know, all these things. So I think unschooling is really about empowering all of us and especially children at it, you know, from the, the younger generation to their own power, know their own voice, know who they are and learn how to live that out in a way that feels good to them. So, and so we have to learn how to fit ourselves into those boxes, yeah. fit ourselves into these labels and conform ourselves to fit into the system. And so um, resist, resisting that system, learning to live outside that system means that we can be free to 
ourselves, even from a young age, so that as we grow up and as our young children grow up, they know who they are, they know what they like, they know how to say no, they know their boundaries, they know their own goals, all those things. It's about learning, having the freedom to know yourself in ways that we were given the opportunity to in a school environment. Yeah, yeah, I, I 100%, and I, it definitely, and especially, I think our, the mainstream schooling environment is very much about upholding the status quo and and not questioning and and really just, you know, listening to authority, right? Um, and so, and so, yeah, I love that. And I love that, that whole concept of knowing yourself. It, it just reminds me back to being in, you know, grade 12, getting ready for it's, it's like, there's this path that you have to follow when you're in regular schooling. Right. And so there's this time where you apply for colleges and universities. And, um, and I just remember thinking like, why do they think 17 year olds are ready to make a decision for the rest of their life? And at that time, it seemed like it was the rest of my life, right? Like, obviously it, it wasn't, but but it, it, in, in, this, in that system, it is. It's like you have to choose a career path when you're 17 years old and you have never been allowed to think for yourself. And all of a sudden you go to school and like to have this career. And it's just, it's wild. It's wild that we do this to, to kids. Where you have the expectation that they will be, you know, innovative thinkers and, um, you know, know their life path when all 12 years of compulsory schooling, they were never really given that freedom. It's crazy. So. Yeah. And I remember going to university as well and, and, and seeing that um, how much other kids and, you know, everybody sort of struggles with the freedom because, right, they're coming from that schooling environment that often is like this, do this at this time. And all of a sudden when you go to university, you know, you've got these big giant lecture halls. No one cares if you show up to class or not. Like, it, there's the syllabus and here's what we're learning and show up for the exams or don't like, I'm not babysitting you. I don't care, which I loved. I love that environment. But for a lot of people, it's like, Oh, uh, okay. And then, you know, you, you crash and burn because you're not used to that. Um, and so it's just, it's so not conducive to, to, to success in just in general. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of, a lot of us went to university because that was just the next thing to do. You know, we didn't choose it with much intention, really. It was like we did it because that was our parents' expectation or because that, you know, fed our ego if we got into a good Ivy League school or all those things. But do, did we really know why we wanted to go to, right. like, to university? Was there um, just a conscious de decision to choose that and to choose that educational path because many of us were choosing it even to get away from our parents' control and to have some experience. So it really had nothing to do with college education itself. It just had to do with wanting independence and wanting freedom. So yeah. <laughs> all yes. of us, no matter what our age, want, want that autonomy. How can we offer that to our children, you know, from a young age, yeah. all of us. I, I think about how as like little kids, we ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's sort of this very close question, right? Like I'm going to be a firefighter and like, that's the thing you're going to be, but like it, so it doesn't allow for exploration. It doesn't allow for, for, you know, it, even changing your mind. Like maybe you started a career at 18 and then like at 30, you decided to go a completely different route, which many of us have done. Right. It's, it's like, if I'm just thinking like as a child, that didn't seem possible. Like if you had told me I'd be sitting at home interviewing someone <laughs> online and like running a podcast and my own bit, like it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me then. And so it's just crazy to me that we box our kids into these labels and we say, okay, pick a thing that you want to be. One thing that is beautiful about unschooling is, is this word emergent mm -hmm. where it's not a fixed destination. Like unschooling is always about um, 
openness and flow and listening and trust. It's not a finite static thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas like when we ask a five-year-old who, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? It feels so static. It feels so like stone. And life doesn't really work like that, right? No. And, and we also don't want to define our identity necessarily by, by our job or our career. We're so much more complex. Right. Bigger than that. We don't need to um, define our worth or our those labels. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's super important. I think... Um, I remember feeling very sort of like I was like I was super strange and 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 left out because I was I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was you know a teenager and getting ready for university and all that and I remember thinking like oh, I, I envy those people that know from when they're very little that they want to be a doctor like they just they have this path in their head um, and I now realize that's like a blessing like you don't have to know like you don't have to know where you're going to enjoy the journey, right? Like, and I just love that we're giving our kids that gift of, hey, like, you don't know if you want to be a doctor or whatever. And and there's still time, like, there's not these, like, imaginary (laughs) um, timelines in which you have to do things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lifelong learners, Mm -hmm. right? To see ourselves, even when we're to uh, continue to learn and grow and um, risks and do things that we never thought were possible. That's so amazing. I wanted to, I guess, kind of go back to the, we were talking about before, just to give people more context if they are new to this. Um, Other than now that your kids are at like this learning center, but before that, what would like a normal day look like for you guys? Yeah, so, we are a very low-key family. I think just we're all homebodies and introverts. So th- I know that there's a lot of homeschooling families that are out all the time or in nature all the time. We're like, we're like happy being home all day, every day. <laughs> I love that. Um, so they, they wake up when whenever they want to, they make themselves breakfast. And then pretty much from then on, they are just, you know, working on their projects on their computer, on their iPad, their watching YouTube videos, they are gaming, they are coding, they're animating, they're drawing. Uh, yeah, I think those are the things that they're really interested right in right now. Um, okay. Drawing, procreate and on their iPads and yeah, just different games, Minecraft for sure. <laughs> so yeah, like I mentioned before, I think their interests then inspire all these other projects that they want to work on based on those things. So um, then they they may collaborate with other people online to share art or to draw something for like a music video that somebody else is doing or drawing somebody's um, character or avatar for them. So. Yeah, there's all these different um, ways of connecting and building on their interests. So, um, yeah, just in terms of rhythm, we have like a mid-morning break around 1030 for them just to take a break, move their bodies a little bit, have a snack. So they take a book and go outside or they might just um, bounce the ball around outside a little bit and then come back in play some more. We always have lunch and dinner together. That's sort of the rhythm for our family. Um, Yeah. So we will eat together. You know, they'll sometimes uh, help with the meal prep and stuff like that. So, you know, there's a lot of life stuff that happens too, where they have to take or they have to do laundry or, you know, stuff like that. I was going to ask if they had like chores. I don't know if you like approach it as chores like how do you guys we don't call it that you know we just have shared family responsibilities and we hopefully um, see each other as a team and we'll fill in the we go and ask for help we've sort of settled in on some responsibilities that we regularly do like the, the kids generally will put dishes away from the dishwasher in the morning 
or help set the table. That's just like the rhythm. But if for some reason they are like um, intently playing on a game or something, or they're they're busy with something, one of us will step in or, you know, not um, so strict. Try to foster a team, a team mentality with that. That's cool. That I mean, that sounds so good. And I love that you have those anchors. And I, that's kind of why I was curious to know, too, because I think that, again, like, it's hard for people to wrap their mind around like this whole day of freedom, right? But we it's okay, like we can still have those anchors and that rhythm and, and, you know, you check in with each other. Um, and are you guys both home with I mean, I know, probably with the pandemic, you're home, but um, do you do do you guys leave the house and kind of let them stay on their own? Like what's their, how does that work? Uh, Yeah. So right now my husband is working from home. So we're both at home and they're old enough now where we can like, you know, I need to go grocery shopping or something and I can leave them home and they'll be fine. Um, Also like in the afternoon uh, around three 30, they also go out, for about an hour to exercise. We have a trampoline in our yard okay. or they'll go and play handball or basketball or something like that. Um, and then we have dinner together and we've sort of made it um, an agreement. Like this wasn't something that like my, my partner and I just decided, but we talked about it as a family and decided that um, after dinner, we be more family time. So we would try to stay off our screens doing our own things. We might watch a movie together or, you know, so it's still screen time. Technically, or <laughs> yeah. Something like that, but it would be more intentional um, time off our screens so that we could have time to be together and to talk through things and, and engage with one another. So that's awesome. really our, our rhythm. And there's um, things throughout the week too, you know, like we have a weekly park day, um, there's just different things throughout the week, but. Right. I mean, and, and the great thing is that like, you have the freedom if you did want to like, you know, I, and I, I, I love this. Like even I do that with my son sometimes it's like, Oh, it's just me and you like, let's go to the beach today. Like literally we can just pick up and go. Um, I'm assuming with your kids, you could do the same thing. Just be like, Hey guys, you want to go to this place today? <laughs> Yeah, there is a lot of that freedom to head out, you know, when other people are in school or at work, yeah. you do have the privilege to, to go if you wanted to. Yeah, that's so cool. I've seen that a lot. Um, right now, it's like the start of the school year here in Canada. And uh, I see people doing like unschooling parties, like back to unschool or whatever like it's just it's kind of cheeky and it's funny but I love that it's it's cool you know all the kids are like oh back to school (laughs) and and these families are celebrating um so I really love that would you say that I mean obviously again your kids are old enough now but if you guys were both working outside of the home would this be doable for your family yeah, I know. I know um, families have done it. You know, I know that that is definitely a privilege that I have to be able to stay home and not have to worry about that. Right. Um, but I do know other families who um, will just work different shifts okay. or um, are entre- entrepreneurs so that their, um, you know, their schedules are flexible or they have family or other um, community that them. Um, I know single moms who are doing it. So although I don't have the specifics of how it's done, I know that it can be done. And that there are, you know, there's like the greater unschooling community that we can tap into and hear their stories about how they're making it work. But um, it definitely can be done. At the same time, I do want to say that it may require adjustment may require a realigning of the priorities of the family in order to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the way our society functions does not, is not conducive to this way of living, you know, where we are sort of taught to run the rat race or to like be busy and to, um, you know, focus on um, money-making or all those things. And so, there may need to be like a discussion as a family about what is really important, what 
Yeah, our values, what needs to, you know, be prioritized so that we can focus on values <clears throat> that really matter, matter to us. Totally, totally. Yeah. And I think that that's huge. I mean, obviously, your your values matter, right? Like maybe you live on one income. And so that means that you live in a smaller house and you live or in a smaller town or, you know, um, is that important to you? Right. Like, or is it important to you to have a, to be very focused on your career? Like you have to kind of see what, what priorities you have. So I, I think that is important for people to, to understand. So you do so, like, it's, you know, I think people like yourself, like you and myself are very privileged to be able to do these things that we do and have this freedom that we do but it, it is also by design it's like we've we've made sacrifices in our lives to um have the freedom that we have right so I think it it's that's a good point that you made there yeah yeah so my goodness this has been such a fun conversation and I feel like I could talk about it all day but um I just love what you're doing I love your message. And I, I think that your book and your community is such a gift to people. Um, so I'm really glad. Are you writing another book? I am. I'm writing an, another book specifically about unschooling, actually. So, yeah, I'm hoping that I can um, launch that next next year sometime. Oh, that is so great. I can't wait to hear about that. I, I just loved uh, like I said, I loved uh, Untigering. So everybody at home should check it out. Um, I had a lot of people tell me when I posted about it, they were like, I didn't even know what a tiger parent was. <laughs> it's just so funny. Uh, but it is, a, it's a common thing. So I just heard about, I was reading about chicken blood parents. I saw this um, article <laughs> and I think in China there style of parenting is even more intense than tiger parenting and they call it like chicken blood parents because um I guess in the past with chicken blood and that was supposed to like give them more energy or something like that so it's like really intense um uh helicopter parenting really yeah and as I read about it it just made me really sad because I, I feel like a lot of things within society within that environment in in China and and other places where there's just this sense of scarcity sense of competition where you're not going to survive in this world if you don't do all the things you know and so I just have a lot of compassion for them and for their children totally that there's there's a lot going on that's bigger than just you know, a parent's decision to do that. There's like all the social pressures that are happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's something that I write about. Those things need to be addressed if we care about parenting our children well and helping our children to thrive. We need to provide an environment and supports for families to do that. And Amen. Amen. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I talk about it all the time, too. It's just, you know, we we sit here and I think as parents, there's a lot of competition and a lot of back and forth in my way, my way and which type, which style of parenting is best. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. If we don't have the support, like we need that we need you need a village, right? You need your community. You need um, those uh, systems in place. Uh, you know, like we, I always talk about how in the United States, there's like no maternity leave. Like, how is that possible? How, <laughs> how are you as a quote unquote developed country not have support for new, new parents? And um, all of those things contribute to the cycle, right? And then it's, of course, you turn into authoritarian parent. Of course, you turn towards, you know, I, I talk about sleep training and in, in, in my uh, work and all of these things it, it just it all snowballs into each other so we have to address the root as well um, mm-hmm. which is easier said than done <laughs> yeah, because I, I do feel I was you know going to write this other post about how tiger parenting and probably this chicken blood parenting is like their trauma responses 
their responses mm-hmm. by individuals that. like that are reacting to the pressures and the, and the trauma around them. And so um, on, I mean, it's not helpful for us to look at other parents and judge them and say like, why aren't you doing better? You know, I, of course, hopefully we can encourage parents, but it's really understanding a lot of the trauma that they've been through and together collectively to make changes so that, you know, that stuff doesn't continue. Absolutely. Yeah. I kind of see it as like healing kind of spreads, you know, I feel like we're healing ourselves and we're healing our children and then, you know, they'll hopefully race more conscious, healthy, uh, sure of themselves kids that will continue to slowly heal. <laughs> that's, that's kind of how I picture it in my mind, you know, <laughs> like this, yeah. um, at least I hope that's how it works out. And I, and I do feel that it's, it's happening. Um, I think that the, these parenting movements are getting bigger and stronger and, um, you know, luckily we have more access to information too. So we're able to share our stories and make this beautiful online communities, which is such a gift. Um, cause imagine for people who, um, didn't have that, right. If you were stuck in a very authoritarian community and you didn't have the internet to meet people across the world who think differently from you, then you have no choice, right? That is so true. I mean, I would have never heard of unschooling, right? <laughs> yeah. And connection to other people all around the world. So, yeah, I think we are in, you know, a time in our history where we can hopefully build these movements and create. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me today. I feel like, again, I feel like I could ask you a million questions, but I will let you go. Um, So where can people find you before I let you go? Yeah, I have a blog, untigering.com. And I'm also on social media um, at untigering uh, on Instagram and Facebook. And I'm also on Twitter, but I don't really post much there (laughs) at untigering mom. Okay, cool. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Everyone, please go check out Untigering, check out the book. And um, yeah, and hopefully we'll catch you around sometime. Thank you. Have a great one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you enjoyed it, please go on iTunes and give us a review so that others can find us and share it on your socials. Join me on Instagram at Paula Morales McDowell and keep the conversation going. What did you love? What questions do you have? Who do you want to hear from next? Catch you next week.